Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky, and this week I am joined with Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. And Brett Freeman. Hi guys. Cool, we have a fun episode for you guys this week. We um, are going to be talking about the defense in X-Wing. But first, uh, we have a shout out. Uh, Brett, you were at the East Coast Gamer Store Championship. I was, yeah, and it was a really great event. Mike Bird did a fantastic job hosting it. Uh, there were 32 people, um, which is what it was capped at, and uh, we went five rounds and then a cut to top eight. Um, and, uh, I mean, he was giving out prize support like crazy. Uh, the top 16 got um, store credit. Everyone seemed to be having a lot of fun. Uh, there was a really good mix of, you know, more experienced people and then newer people. Um, so, you know, I, I felt like I met a ton of people, um, and it, I... It was a, definitely a far drive for me, but I am excited to go back uh, in May for Campaign Against Cancer. Cool. And uh, what, what do you have the winning list here? Uh, so it was a uh, separatist swarm. I don't have the exact breakdown, um, but it beat out a, a Boba Fenn, um, which was not my Boba Fenn, unfortunately. I lost in the first round of the cut. But uh, so it was kind of the two big bads that. You know, we've been seeing all throughout hyperspace separatists and the two ship, uh, you know, beast of Boba Fett. What do you know if it had discord missiles on it? It did have discord missiles. Yeah, that seems, that seems like a uh, staple in the swarm, the separatist swarm uh, list right now. It definitely is good. And it's definitely a nice little uh, punch to Boba F- definitely at the moment. So, yeah. And I think it had a uh, plasma torps, which is also just a really great meta call right now with the, uh, the Bobas being out there, those really hurt when now you're, you know, losing two shields. And if he hits for three, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then Boba Fan, we've talked uh, to great length about, so there's nothing surprising there. But um, maybe if the Separatist bully, you know, keeps picking on the Bobas, maybe it'll uh, dissipate the Boba field and, you know, other things will start to pop up. Yeah, because I, I was doing Boba Fan and I lost to a Separatist swarm. And, I mean, maybe I just haven't gotten enough reps in or something, but I'm pretty sure I lose that game at least 9 out of 10 times. Sure. I just don't have any idea how I could turn it around. Yeah. Um, All right. Sounds like a great time. Definitely uh, we'll we'll talk about that a bit later, but uh, the East Coast Gamers campaign against cancer is sold out. But if you – I mean, I highly recommend if you can get on that waiting list, you absolutely do it. It is one of the best events uh, ever run. So Mike Bird does a great job out there. So get on that wait list if you can. Um, all right, let's hop right into our defense chat. So we're going to talk a little bit about defensive options and all the factions. And at the same time where I get like you can sit here and go hyper defense. But I think the object that we're trying to get to is that we want to kind of balance out the defense and the op- offense. Like in all these lists you know if you sit there and go hyper uh hyper defense you're just going to be tickling your opponent and not doing any damage where i think at the opposite we're trying to find certain lists or like get ideas like get the ideas brewing of what you can build that you know might be able to survive a little bit longer against some hyper offensive lists uh at the same time still packing a punch so why don't we jump right into the uh rebels jonathan you have done some uh lots of list building with different rebel defensive lists and what do you think like what what would you do well i think um 
rebels in first edition and second edition have been sort of a tanky, like a tanky defensive jousting faction. Uh, I think that the selfless upgrade, and I know I've mentioned before, it's sort of underrated. It is hyperspace legal. And the Rebels have some really good carriers on it. Selfless gives you sort of like a soft bigs effect where it lets you disperse damage and it lets you protect like more important pieces. Uh, so if you're bringing, say in hyperspace, you're bringing those uh, B-Wings like Braylon or Tenum, if you bring a they can get burned down relatively quickly so if you put selfless on a friend nearby say a generic blade squadron or even a i don't know generic gold squadron if you're really looking to to save points you know you can help protect your more valuable pieces uh, and selfless really stands in in hyperspace because there's no bigs and Biggs hasn't really seen a lot of play in second edition, but he is, in many ways, I think he is better than he was in first edition because the point of Biggs was always you want to disperse damage. And in first edition, you didn't want Biggs just to be killed. You wanted your opponents to, you want to force them to take a few shots at one guy and then, oh, now Biggs is here and they have to put some shots into him and to just spread the damage around. Um, so I think in hyperspace, I would still think selfless is good. Uh, and like I said, to protect your important pieces and in, and I think big still has a role, especially, you know, if you're bringing like high, hard hitting rebel ships like Braylon or Tenum, which are more vulnerable. Now, all right. So you talk about protecting your more valuable ships and like, we've seen this trend that wedge is a key piece in this, but like, you never really see him getting any kind of like defense uh like help like he's always kind of just on his own do you think that could be something that uh like bigs or something with selfless kind of following wedge around to try to keep him alive longer and at the same time packing a punch yeah so you could put selfless on or so you could bring bigs or for a cheaper option you could put selfless on what the red squadron uh so red squadron so bigs is 48 points whereas a red squadron veteran with selfless is 44 points so, and, you know, both be, being an X-Wing like Wedge, he can keep up. And then and then just having a ship with selfless, it might make your opponent choose to shoot the selfless carrier instead of the more valuable piece. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, I'm not sure why we haven't seen, like, a more defensive ships, like, associated with, like, flying with Wedges. I don't know. I think maybe, like, Wedge is... When you add Wedge and Biggs, that's over half your list, and then maybe it doesn't leave enough in the rest of the list. I don't know. I've seen um, sometimes in four X-Wing lists, you don't see them too often, but like in four X-Wing lists, there's often going to be selfless there. Um, I know, um, what's his name? Will Barnacle flies a four-ship X-Wing list with selflesses in it. And then I'm trying to remember that four X-Wing list that was at... um, at Fort Worth, it was flown by um, AC Yeager. I don't know if I don't remember if there were selflesses on those on his red squadrons. He had Luke Fane and two red squadrons. I do not remember if there were selflesses there or not, though. Yeah, so I mean, you talk about like why you don't know why people add this. Um, uh, we were literally talking about this off the air, but like, I think this is part of like kind of like the backbone behind this episode was i was thinking about it and like we talk about how games don't go to time or they do go to time anymore and like a lot of times ships aren't 
like it, it isn't a 200 point you know destruction um at, at the end of the game so it's kind of like if that's not happening like maybe it's time to look at these different like defense options so with something like selfless like that could absolutely be a, a trigger to like try to like get to the end game and sit out the hour and 15 minutes that a game is and try to preserve points in, in your more valuable ships or even just more ships altogether so i i had a question um well first one thing um i looked it up jonathan he did have uh selflesses on both red squadrons um ac Yeager, that is um so you were right on that so you're saying Biggs is better in some ways than in first edition. Is it strictly just because he can screw up people's target priorities now where they might make a, a bad choice where before they didn't have any choice at all and therefore he stays around longer and longer? Well, I think in first edition, um, in first edition, it was just hard. Like I found that Biggs would get, you had to, well, I guess it's not really relevant. Like how Biggs played in first edition isn't so relevant, but it was easy to get him to play him wrong, and he gets burned down quickly. I think that in second edition, it's sort of nice. I mean, I think in the end, you don't want be you want him to live as long as you can, and you want to disperse the damage around. And I like how I just feel. Uh, I'm sorry, I know that's not a good answer, but I feel like he does work better now in that your opponent's not forced to shoot him. You're right. So your opponent's not forced to shoot him, and it does give your opponent more chances to uh, make the wrong decision. Okay, because I was just saying, like, if if I see Biggs across from me, I want to just nuke him because I know how annoying it's going to be when, you know, I'm maybe getting just only one hit in through now. Like, I just want that guy gone. So that seems like maybe that's really it, is that maybe people aren't aware of just how big of a pain he's going to be throughout the game, and they'll let him stay around longer than he should. Yeah, and then I think, you know, if your opponent knows if Biggs is next to Wedge and they look and they're like, well, I can shoot Wedge or I can shoot Biggs, and then it gives them the chance to make the wrong decision. And especially, I think the damage spreading, the effect is sort of multiplicative. So if you have just a single selfless carrier with, so you have, say, Biggs, a Red Squadron veteran with a selfless Wedge and then another X-Wing, then it, like, really then your opponent has to think, do I shoot bigs? Do I shoot the selfless carrier? Do I shoot wedge? And then you end up with no good choices on the targeting priority there. Uh, well, all right. So we've gone over bigs. What about Luke? I mean, he's basically defense in an X-wing, like outside of bigs, like he, he's self-sustaining with everything like that. Like if you mix any of these factors with Luke, he's just kind of not dying. Yeah, so I think Luke has a lot more survivability than a regular T-65, but, I mean, he's still vulnerable to blanks. I think he pairs, in hyperspace, he pairs really well if you could fit um, Jan Orr's crew somewhere in your list. Okay. Because then it lets him, um, he can focus and have it be an evade. Jan Orso. Oh, Jan Orso. What did I say? I said Jan Orr's? Yeah. Okay. So that's first first edition, so Jan Orso, sorry. Do you have first edition on the brain? Yeah, I do, I do, yeah. Yeah, so that was what Jan Ors did in first. So Jin Urso, yeah, Jin Urso crew. So I think, um, like, if you put uh, Jin Urso, like, on, I don't know, like, Lando or on a Ewing or someone who can be relatively close by, and then uh, Luke can, um, he can be evade, he can have evade and the force, and it makes him very tanky to have, like, an Inquisitor to be double modded on defense. 
Yeah, I, I think Luke is. I mean, if I'm if I was building a rebel list, I would want to make Luke my my end game centerpiece, just because you know, like you said, Andrew, he can be so tanky. Um, and you know, the the fewer shots he's taking, the the better he's going to be. So if you could mitigate that damage early on until you could eliminate some of the opponent ships, um, bigs and selfless carriers seem like they would go great with him. I just feel like the points never quite quite work out to to what I want them to be because I always want to put you know, like some type of regen on him, and I just feel like I I can't get as many ships as I feel like I need with those damage mitigating options. The playtesting works. Um, no, you, you're right. Like it's definitely kind of like you're putting a lot of work and points into one ship kind of surviving. Um, but to kind of like spread the love, like I think at the same time, these T-65s, they are doing a lot of damage. Um, they they have the potential to dish it out too. Like, I mean, we saw five X-Wings work because it is a lot of health and it's a lot of damage where I think if you get these end game ships, like uh, let's say Luke, to that point, um, by being able to spread that damage out, then it absolutely is going to be a, a lot of, like, it's going to be worth all those points that you did put into the, these uh, ships. Um, all right, so what else do we have in the Rebel faction? So, I mean, other things, uh, so we have Lorek uh, in the Azatak, which I don't think has seen much play in 2nd edition. His ability is much worse than it was in 1st edition. It's a lot worse. Like, is he a ship that's in X-Wing Purgatory because of how good he was in 1st edition? I guess he's there. I mean, if the Jumpmaster escaped, then uh, Lorek could somehow escape, I guess. yep. I I definitely think that's right. I mean, he's maybe, like, one crew away from, like, just a crew card from being a monster again, I guess. But even still, like, having to spend that that of, that reinforced token before attack dice are even rolled, then it, it kind of hurts. Like, because then you don't know what other ships, you know, might be firing, and it might just mess up target priority. Because, I mean, if, if he's going... And spending that, then what's to stop, you know, all the other ships from just, you know, if you're going up against like a swarm or something, he, he might spend that reinforce and then all the other ships are just going to turn their guns onto low wreck. And it's kind of like, what was the point of reinforcing then? I, I think this is one of the ships that is in a bad place. I mean, I think the only way you would see the Azatak really enforce is if... Um... So if they put it in hyperspace, say it was like the one, uh, like the one rebel crew carrier in hyperspace or something. Like if it was in hyperspace now, and uh, then people might take it for a like a four, like the generics and stuff for like a forty some point crew carrier. Right. Since there's no Ewing. Uh, sure. Um. And, yeah. And then um, in the Y wing, we have uh, our friend Nora Wexley in the Y wing and in the Ark where. She gets that. There are very few abilities in first edition that let you add or evade. Actually, is she the only one that lets you add an evade result? I think so. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any other ones. So, you know, she's very dangerous up close, super survivable. So, I mean, she's very defensive. She doesn't add to your squad's defensiveness, but if you can get her in close and then make her dangerous, then... Um, she has a. She's really good at surviving. And then um, also in the Y wing, Evan Verlaine. I know. I think. I think I mentioned her a few episodes ago. 
I she she doesn't see much play, but she's one where she spends a focus token, and then she can give a friendly ship um, an extra evade die for the round. I just want to rewind to Nora real quick. Okay. Um, so her ability is while you defend, if there is an enemy ship at range zero to one, it doesn't even have to be the ship that is you know firing at her. If she has any ship at range zero to one. Uh, enemy ship then she's getting that evade result so i I mean that's super strong she she's one of those ships that like it it is very dangerous especially if she's carrying bombs you could just kind of she's going to survive probably multiple rounds um going into like these danger zones Uh, i mean i i I know when second edition first came out a lot of people were looking at nora and i'm kind of shocked that she didn't see more of an appearance I mean, you see her, I mean, yeah, at the beginning she was in, um, you'd see her in the Y-Wing. And then sometimes you'd see her, like, combined with, like, Hera and Wedge in, like, a uh, high-initiative rebel sort of offensive-oriented squad, maybe with proton torpedoes. And in the arc, if I remember correctly, Nathan ID ran her in the arc at some big tournament last year. I think Adepticon last year. Yeah. And like in that, uh, on the medium base, it like range one of the medium base is pretty huge. And you could just imagine, like, if you think about how easy it is, how often Boba Fett has like an enemy at range one to get his reroll, it'd be pretty common for Nora to get uh, someone at range one. And I think, you know, if she were in a fire spray, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, the arc is not quite as good as the fire spell. Yeah. All right, so what else we got? Um, uh, I would say, so um, Van Verlaine in the Y-Wing, if she spends a, at the start of engagement phase, if she spends a focus token, then a friendly ship at range 0 to 1 gets to roll an extra defense die. So, you know, I think she could, pay, I had mentioned before that I think she could pair well with Braylon Strom because Braylon's ability, if he's stressed, he can re-roll defensive di- he can re-roll um, offensive and defensive dice and giving Braylon an extra defensive die makes him if he can roll two green dice he becomes, it is so much better, obviously so much better than just rolling one. Right. So I think she could pair nicely and then if P- she's only 35 points naked, I don't you know, you could put a um, you could put selfless for thirty eight, or you could put an ion cannon. Um, you could put an ion cannon turret, and she'd be forty points. Um, and if the if she does, if she is there, to, if she can help Braylon or Wedge or someone live a little bit longer, might be worth it. Um, the main problem with her, it seems, is the timing of when that ability happens. Like if it was after a friendly ship is you know declared the defender, you can spend the focus. That would be so much more useful than at the start of the engagement phase because I feel like that in that situation, if you make it so Braylon now is rolling an extra uh, defensive die, then I'm just not going to shoot Braylon. Yeah, yeah. So which like, might be what you want, but yeah. and then and you know everyone will just shoot her. But I figure rolling a Y wing only rolls one green die, and the focus to- one focus token doesn't add a lot to a Y wing survivability if it's being shot at by multiple ships. I just so think maybe it, it's like Biggs kind of then where they're going to shoot it at her instead of shooting at the guy you really care about. Yeah, but I think if you add, um, I just like we haven't really seen a ton of the B wings, like the double tapping B wings, and it's just I feel like if you're putting double tapping B wings, you either have to bring overwhelming force that you're just erasing people like uh, before they can hit you back, or you need some sort of defensive mod to keep your investments alive. 
What about all right? So I know we don't have him listed, but uh, Fenrell. I know we talked about about him a little bit before, but um, fifty points for an I six that can stop you from spending tokens. I mean, he was a menace in first edition, um, and we, you know, he's got the I six coordinate. But is he still too many points to be bringing? Probably because of like the force and everything. Would you guys agree? It's a tough one, right? I mean, he's basically like a, a a jam whenever you need him to to be. Um, so he definitely has some usability. It's just he's a quarter of your squad. He's going to be doing almost no offense himself. Um, so I, I with the force out there and it being so prevalently used, it just seems like there's enough ways around him where he's not going to make up for the fifty points he's bringing or he's costing. Sure. Well, I guess um, it's meta dependent in a, like if it's all like two or three ship, then the smaller, the, the lower the ship count, the better he is. But against six or seven enemy ships, he's he's kind of useless against like six or seven enemy ships. So when they take yeah. all the Aether sprites out of hyperspace and it's just a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of the uh, other things, maybe he'll show That's that. when I disappear for six months. <laughs> Um, so we got Magva Yaro as well. Uh, she was popping up a lot in the beginning. So, you know, speaking of being too defensive, I brought Magva Yaro to PAX, not last year, but the year before that. And I brought Magva Yaro, Leia, uh, Magva, Leia, or maybe I didn't have Leia. I had Magva, Biggs, and two selfless B-Wings. And I had tremendous amounts of like defensive ability, but could not hit could not attack at all. But uh, Magva's ability is, uh, while a friendly ship at range 0 to 2 defends, the attacker cannot reroll more than one attack die. So I guess you could see how maybe this would be useful against Boba Fett in Extended, because it it limits the power of enemy target locks and uh, enemy rerolls. All right. I think she is a little pricey. There's a lot of good U-Wings, and at 50, I feel like she's kind of expensive. But uh, I definitely think she's still good. Um, but yeah, it, it would be a very good meta call to bring her against something like Boba. Uh, it definitely works. Um, all right, so I definitely think Rebels have the most options if defense abilities. I mean, they, they're definitely splashed, you know, splashing the damage around, doing what they can do. And it definitely works sometimes. I, I think it's interesting to see that, like, I think this is the faction that could pull it off the best. And like like I said earlier, like, games are at an hour and 15 minutes. And like I said, we're not seeing them all, you know, end before that. A lot of times we're seeing them go to time. So I think it's something to take a look at with this. Um, why don't we jump into Empire now, Brett, if you want to start this one off. Sure. So Empire does not have anywhere near the same number of tricks um, that the the rebels have, um, but their their main things really are uh, very high green dice, which when they're working make you feel like an X wing god, and when they don't work, uh, it's one of the most frustrating things you can experience. Um, and also just high initiative arc dodging aces. Um, so I was I was putting together a list. Um, that just seemed like it was kind of defensive focused for me. And it was uh, Suntir Fell uh, with Lone Wolf and Stealth Device, Duchess with Fifth Brother, 
and uh, Darth Vader, you know, with afterburners and fire control. Um, and, you know, it's only a 12 health list. And it's one that I think of as being hyper defensive just because uh, there's a good chance you might never get a, a shot at Tsuntir Fell that I'm not willing to let you have, right? I mean, if I have a focus and an evade, then I might be willing to leave him where he is, but he's so squirrely, you might never see him. Um, and Duchess kind of has a, you know, a supernatural reflexes type ability, um, which she can turn on and off at will um, to try and arc dodge. So what they really do is just make it so you're not going to be able to take that good shot that you're going to be able to line up against a B-Wing, which doesn't really have a lot of maneuverability options. Um, and Darth Vader obviously has three green dice and has three force. Um, and, you know, like I said, when those are, are working, uh, you know, he he's not going to get touched. Um, but, you know, his his biggest problem is he can't do anything about his his blank green dice, which uh, with the Suntir Fell I put together with Lone Wolf, um, you know, he could potentially mitigate that a little bit. Um, so it's a fun play style in my mind, and it can be hyper-defensive, but if you screw it up, you're going to lose a ship easily, where you don't have that same risk, uh, I think, in, in Rebels, in that, you know, one mess up, you're probably going to lose a ship. I mean, do you guys agree with that? Right, I, I'm kind of glad you brought it up, that, like, arc dodging and everything like that is definitely a form of, like, defensive uh, capability of the game, and it's, like, really kind of, like, picking and choosing your own engagements, like, where a lot of these lists that you, you kind of just go one forward and try to pick the best angle that you're going to, you know, go into these ships, where Empire definitely has a, a lot of mobility that they could do and like you like you said the green dice um but like something like soon tier that's just gonna be like okay i'm opting out of this engagement and i'm you know you're not gonna see me you know he might be baited away uh definitely is a very strong move and definitely works and i would definitely agree that that is you know something defensively where people could kind of almost see it as cowardice to be like oh you're not gonna fight me or anything like that but i think at the same time like why would i fight you if I know that it's not in my advantage, and I definitely agree with that. Like, so one one example is you and I ended up playing last year at the uh, Toronto System Open um, in the first round, and I think it was on my soon tier you got an early damage on there, right? And I just spent the entire rest of the game making sure he stayed away from you because I, I knew you could kill him if you really wanted to, and I couldn't take that risk. Um, like, so I, I flew almost this exact list instead of Duchess, I had uh, whisper in there and all of my matches, right. Arc dodging and being very cagey and hyper defensive was basically my strategy. That was how I was, I was keeping these otherwise fragile guys alive. And that's really what the, the Imperials do best in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, like they might not, not have the upgrades or the abilities that some of the other factions have, but they definitely have options out there that, uh, are going to make you go to time and make sure that you aren't taking damage cards onto your ships. Right. So a couple other options away from just these um, are Inquisitors, right? Um, you know, we, we've all played against Inquisitors, and they're really good because they have a great dial, they have a force point or more, and they have white evade, which is an extremely strong option. Um, if, if we go away from just looking at high green dice and arc dodging, Imperials are also really the, the token stacking faction where you have defenders who can get focus and evade as long as they don't get blocked. 
Um, and you have inquisitors like this who can get a force point and an evade. Off the top um, of your head, do you know what rolling three green dice with a force point and an evade is? On how likely you're to get at least three? I don't off the top of my head. I want to say that that sounds like it's going to be like 2.25 on average. Yeah, definitely. It, I, I mean, I, I am just kind of making that number up, but I mean, it, you're you're going to look pretty good. I mean, I'm going to type it in as I'm continuing to talk here. <laughs> no, but, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's literally the point I'm trying to make. Like, if you think about it, um, like an average dice roll might be a evade and a focus and a blank. And if you have that force point and the evade, you're probably not taking much damage, if anything. Um, it's very good. And those Inquisitors, especially the generic ones, you know, they, they were definitely a menace for a while. And I think it screams hyper defensive and like when the thing about it is is that force point is so good that if you don't have to use it on defense then you're now shooting it with offense right and it is 2.545 uh, 2.5 yeah 2.545 is yeah. what your average is with uh an evade and a force right so you're you're really tough to hit if you're only taking that one shot if you're getting focused on then, then yeah that ship could easily die but yeah. They're maneuverable enough as well where, uh, you know, they can try and avoid that happening, especially the higher initiative ones like uh, the Grand Inquisitor, who also has a nice ability, uh, if you ever end up using it, where you can spend one of your force points and negate a range one bonus. Um, and that, you know, obviously not taking a, a four die range one shot, making it only three could be a, a very huge uh, factor when you have that evade and that other force there. Yeah, definitely. Uh agree that they're they they are very hard to kill and, and like they they only have four health but i mean it's you have to get very lucky to take one of them off the table and uh like and the defenders are the same thing right they're even better because they might have an evade and a focus not just a force um so their defensive ability is is even better for that one shot um they're at like 2.6 um, almost 2.7 uh, average on that one def uh, defensive roll. So they're really tough to hit as well, um, and they have a lot of health, right? I mean, I, I think it's probably not going too far to say that the defender has the best chassis in the entire game. Uh, it's just they have to pay a lot for it. Um, yeah. And then just some other options. There's uh, there's Captain Kagi, if it's an ordinance meta, to, to pull away those target locks. Um, that plus reinforce can... Uh, really be be huge um and another one is is just decimators talking about reinforce right they have zero green dice it seems like the least defensive ship out there uh but when you factor in that reinforce that they get uh they are some of the tankiest ships in the entire game so uh you know that's also an option if you're just trying to look at health it, it they're going to keep taking damage they're never going to stop it but um you know they they can live through it because they have so much health. I think it's like sixteen uh, hit points. Right, and if we're seeing games that are only going maybe like eight nine turns, uh, and you're dumping all those you know shots into a decimator, if it has a reinforce, there's there's a chance that it might survive until like the last couple rounds of the game, and it's points adjusted, right? Like you know that that could be the mistake that you make, and it definitely helps them out. Like a, a decimator with reinforce takes 11 and a half three die focused shots, by far the most of any ship in the game, to die on average. 
Um, so it's, I mean, it's pretty tough uh, with, you know, some of the lists out there for someone to get 11 and a half shots off in a game. Like you said, they're not going to a ton of rounds. So that ship might just never be able to die. <laughs> right. And, and I mean, built right um rack can dish out all that damage too so i mean he's basically getting like defensive mods turned into his offensive mods so i mean we're talking about like making sure that this isn't just you know hyper defensive like you're gonna he's tanking away and at the same time he's going to be doing enough damage to you that he's gonna be He's going to be hurting, and, and you know, sitting at I five, you know, he's got the chance to initiative kill a lot, and, and I definitely like him altogether. Even you know, even the points that he is now, I definitely think he's something that's definitely viable. I completely agree. Uh, so we got Iden left. Did we talk? Oh yeah, I completely <laughs> forgot about Iden. Can't forget right, about Iden. Only the only the freaking best defensive ability in the entire game, right? Um, when uh you know, a friendly TIE fighter at range one of, of Aiden is going to get hit after defensive dice have been rolled. So you know exactly what's going to happen. You can just spend her one time charge and it's like the attack just never occurred. Um, it's extremely strong. I would say probably way too strong. Um, when, uh, the house worm is out in full force. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's definitely one. I can't believe I, I <laughs> let it slip my mind. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, definitely, uh, it's so annoying when you go up against a Tie Swarm and you're just like ready to take it off the table, and then Iden pops, and you're just like, God, yeah. So I- Iden's definitely up there as one of being probably the best defensive ability in the game. Um, cool. Any other things for Imperials? Not yeah. nothing that really stuck out to me as being hyper defensive, right? Um, okay, so we'll jump into Scum real fast. They don't have a lot, but I, I will touch base on what they do have. So obviously, Boba Fan, we've talked about that so much. We've You've heard me talk at lengths about Concordia Face-Off. It's no doubt in my mind that it's probably one of the best defense abilities in the game, being at that range one, just to basically negate, uh, evade for every shot that you're getting at range one. Fenrail basically takes that... Uh, you know, range bonus away by getting this Concordia. Um, so it's super good to begin with. Boba, you know, is a menace to himself and Kashka likewise. Just, you know, there's no, there's really no need to explain that further. Um, so what I will talk about here is and it's something that I'm going to put on the table this week is Sarasu and the, and the M3A interceptor, the Seek interceptor. Um, you don't really see her much. She's 41 points, but I, I did mess around with her when if second edition first came out. And it's funny because in the last points adjustment, she went up one point and it was just kind of like, where was that data for that? And it's kind of like, does FFG know something that we don't? So it's something I definitely want to take a look at with everything else dropping. Maybe it is something that I need to take a look at. So if you're not familiar with her ability, it's reverse how runner, anything friendly ship at range zero to one. Uh, you can re-roll a green dice. So it's basically like every ship 0 to 1, including herself, gets a free elusive. Uh, so I know it might not sound a lot, but I mean, if, if you're... It's almost like a Biggs effect that like you, you might be you know smart to shoot her first, but at the same time, she's an I-5, so it might be hard to either kill her or um, get shots off on her, where I think... 
I'm generally curious of her ability and why it did get a points increase. Um, on three agility ships, like you hear about the fangs that, you know, they die at range three and they die at range two. Um, this might be the, the, you know, something that could change that, that, that is that little extra boost that they need. Um, I, I know she's a two dice attack and that, you know, that can hurt sometimes, but paired up right, it might be something, might be something fun. Uh, like I said, I, I will report back on this. I, I don't know if there's too much data on it when there's so many other cool ships, especially in hyperspace, that can go around, um, especially at 41 points. What else do there isn't really much in uh, in scum because they're kind of like a real like gotcha faction. So the two things that come to mind, and and this is one of the ones that are in. First edition Purgatory is Lots Razi. You know, she was a staple in Time Walk Assage where she would just, you know, you would get stressed and then you'd be able to convert a stress to an evade. And it, it made sure that, like, Asajj never died. Well, now she's seven points, which I think is probably about three to four points way too much um, because a lot of things aren't getting stressed. I mean, granted, I know a lot of things are still you know, linking to actions and stuff like that, but like Jedi aren't or anything. So, um, and you don't get to add the result. You get to change a result at the cost of you spending the attacker stress. So it's seven points, but I think there's better options out there. Um, if it was definitely cheaper, it's something that I would definitely throw onto my, uh, Lancers, but, um, I, I don't think it's the right call at the moment. Um, I'd be interested to see how that works on Boba. The other thing, uh, and I think this is the best crew card for a lot of cases in Scum, is L3 crew card where you get to, before your attacker gets to spend any kind of locks or anything like that, or modify their dice, you can spend L3 crew card to make them re-roll all their dice. And that basically like lets them ignore any locks or anything like that. So if you see them roll like three hits or like, you know, two focuses and a hit, you can spend this card and it flips it. I mean, you can only spend it once. It flips the card uh, to make them reroll all their attack dice. Um, now, granted, it, it doesn't always pay off that great. Like sometimes they roll the same exact result, but at the same time, it could be that one thing that you need to, to really kind of survive the game. Also, you know, it has that bonus when you, um, are not shielded, decrease the difficulty of your bank maneuvers after that. But it, it's that card alone is, is kind of like a get out of jail or free card. So, uh, I mean, any large base ship, if you can fit four points on there or any crew carrier, I should say, it, it's definitely something to take a look at. And I mean, I think it's great on the, the Hawks. You see the Hawks popping up all the time with like Torkoal and Pelob, the you know they still die a lot they only have five health but with something like this this might make them survive a round longer uh just for four points i mean you're investing on those points with the multi-crow title anyway it's definitely something that you might want to take a look at um other than that scum doesn't have much defense i, I mean they, they don't have any kind of double reposition i mean you got some you got IGs that could possibly get evades by boosting, but I mean, without PTL anymore, that I don't think it works that great. Um, 
So uh, this is more of a faction that kind of like relies on the tricks. But if you are looking to get some kind of uh, defense going, the, these are the, definitely the options that you want to take. And maybe advanced sensors, Gurry. Um, sure. I mean, you got the that art dodge that we were talking about earlier with uh, Imperials. So it's possible. Uh, what do we got next on the list? Resistance. Right, you play a lot of A-Wings? I do, right? And there's not a ton for Resistance as well. Um, they seem to really have, have two options. One is just a, a high HP count, right? I, anyone who has played against T-70X Wings uh, will tell you that they have one health too many. One health too uh, many. It, it, without fail, they will live when you think they should be dead, and it's going to be just by one health, and it's very frustrating. Um, and they they don't pay you know a lot more for that health. Um, now with the T set or sixty five X wings going down uh, to the threshold where you can fit five, you you could say that they're kind of costing you an entire ship, I guess. Um, but uh, like just one spammy list I put together is a Red Squadron expert with heroic and um, a hull upgrade, which now gives them two extra health than you want them to have. They're going to be at eight health with two green dice and heroic, which is one of their better defensive options because it gives you insurance against blank outs and uh, you know, a blank out on your green dice or, or your attack dice can be so game changing that uh, heroic can often save a ship that, uh, you know, may have been going down because of that that one bad roll. Right. Early, um, earlier, we were talking about the Inquisitors, and it really kind of came down to luck. Where, granted, I, I know I know the odds on heroic are very very low, but I think at the same time, I think I've seen that happen. I mean, for one point, for an offense and a defensive modification possibility insurance, I'd pay that one point. I mean, granted, I know the bid is definitely something to always take a look at. But, uh, you know, defensive dice, like, games live and die on that one roll that, um, especially in second edition, I think Heroic definitely has paid for its points. Like, from, I, I know it might have got a lot of slack in the beginning when it came out, but I, I think it's kind of proven its point. I, I definitely think so. And the odds really aren't that bad, especially if you're taking multiple copies of it. Like, so on this X Wing list where the X Wings roll two defense dice, the odds of them getting a blank out is 14%, right? So it's, you know, like one in seven, um, they're going to to get that free reroll there. Right. If you have four ships with it, then, you know, maybe once every two rounds, you're going to get that reroll. I mean, that, that, that becomes very valuable over the course of a six-round tournament. Um, I, I know it's completely anecdotal, but at the store championship this weekend, uh, Paul yelled heroic about 14 or 15 different times. We lost count. It got to be so high in a six round tournament. Um, Confirmation bias is the best kind of bias, but it it happens at all of these tournaments. I flew five a wings a ton. I was getting the same type of results. When you have five ships that have heroic on them and are taking a shot every round, you're going to to hit that, you know, frequency pretty easily right 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 and, and that's the one thing i, I kind of want to really stress is that like yes the the result might be pretty low especially on three green dice but if you count how many times you roll those dice in a, a tournament day 
I think, you know, th- those numbers really start to rack up. And it, it's not just that, though, right? I mean, everyone has lost a game due to variance. I mean, it, it doesn't happen a ton that dice are responsible, but it, it certainly happens. And when you're dealing with, with ships like A-Wings, right, which is, you know, they're, they're four health, three agility. When they blank out, they will often be dead, right? So when that does kick in, and now they're able to turn that blank roll into maybe, uh, you know, Two of two evades once they're they're spending their focus. Um, now they're staying alive, and that makes it so much easier to win these games when you have that that insurance. Because when when you lose twenty percent of your your you know your offensive power in an A wing list, you're you're at a serious disadvantage. Um, so it is extremely important, in my opinion, and and. I would pay so many points if I could take them on uh, Republic ships, for instance. I, I think uh, heroic. I I just love it personally. Um, so anyway, other options though, outside of of you know the controversial heroic, um, and like I said, there's not tons, but there is Ferrisphere paint, um, which is kind of a, a underused um tech slot and uh you know it's not surprising that it's underused because this is kind of expensive i think it's six points um ray gunner um you know if you put her on han solo for instance it's basically like first edition palpatine you get any type of result you can spend her force charge and turn that into either a a hit or an evade um and that really helps with survivability and uh speaking of han solo i've literally never seen anyone play this card but Han Solo's crew card uh, allows you to take extra evade tokens uh, if there's uh, a bunch of enemy ships near you. So, again, I've never seen it, but that could be a way of maybe increasing someone's survivability. Um, one of the, the crew cards, or not a crew card, but a gunner card is definitely Finn uh, Gunner. Um, it's, oh, I'm sorry, is that... Oh, yeah, no, it says, while you defend or perform primary attack, if the enemy is in your front arc, you can add one blank result. Adding that to Ray is so huge, especially on defense, because then she can just spend that force, or um, can you heroic that afterwards? Yeah, you can heroic that, right? So that that's a good point, too, right, is that she helps, or he helps a lot on, on Ray, and also... Well, she doesn't have heroic, when he's piloting. But- Right, no, she doesn't have a rogue, but when he's piloting the the resistance uh, pod, then with heroic on him, he has a similar ability. He can become very tanky that way as well. Right, um, uh, but yeah, that, that is definitely something. Like, I mean, like I, I've seen it with Ray that she can um, spend the force charge to add the you know evade result that she needs. Um, is there a way to reroll a blank dice for that anyway? When Ray. I don't, I don't believe so. But yeah, I, I mean, it definitely helps with Ray Gunner, or I'm sorry, Finn Gunner, um, to get that extra defense that you possibly might need to, you know, survive a round or two longer. Um, and Ray has been known for that. I, like I said, I'm really excited to see some extended lists with Ray. I definitely think she's underrated. And, you know, she did see a points drop, but I, I know we were all hyperspace focused for the first couple months. So it's something that I'm definitely taking a look at uh, with the start of like us going into extended stuff. All right. Um, anything else for resistance that we got going on here? Not that I can think of. Yeah. Well, you could. Um, 
So M9G8, usually people use it to lock their own ships to get offensive rerolls, but you can use M9G8 to force um, an attacker to reroll their roll, like an opposing ship to reroll their rolls. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, that's uh, a decent trick. I, I, I don't know if it's worth like seven points for that use, but... So M9G8 is while a ship you are locking performs an attack, you may choose one attack die if you do the attacker rerolls that die. I mean, it's yeah, it is seven points, but it's, you know, that might be good on something like Poe. What do you think? Yeah, or so you lock a, your opponent's like most offensively potent ship and then um, and then you pick one of their hits or crits and you make them reroll it and then half the time. You know they'll get a uh, they'll they've already modified their dice. So if you get a blanker focus, so half the time you can turn to a blanker focus half the time. Right. I, I mean, so like that would be Not interesting. Great, but... Well, it would be interesting that if you do that, um, you could make them re-roll the die, and then if they have a lock or something, and like it's a blank, they can't re-roll that die. So it make them think twice. That definitely something cool to look at. Um, all right, let's jump into first order. So first order kind of goes hand in hand with the Imperials, where you know Kylo and all that stuff is arc dodging. He's got force charges. I would definitely say Tavson is huge. Um, you know the the Upsilons have kind of gone away because of they're not in hyperspace. But, you know, Tavson being able to jam things at range one with, you know, in the middle of, you know, an attack phase with biohexacrypt codes or something like that. Um, but one of the big things I kind of want to talk about with this is, is Von Reg, like, I mean, like, so like Von Reg's ability is the first ability that kind of dishes out a deplete or a strain, right? Like, there's nothing else that kind of forces that on somebody else. Uh, I mean, Magpulse. Well, yeah, sure, Magpulse. Yeah, yeah, but yes. Oh, uh, we can talk. I I know I've been preaching, you know, Magpulse for the past, you know, couple weeks. Um, but yeah, like it's it's interesting about that that like you can really kind of like mess with uh, people and, and like really like I I don't think people realize with Magpulse when when you jam and give them a deplete like how much that like really kind of affects your you know opponent's attack dice and i know i know people are saying well von rag's ability is kind of useless where you know they're just going to do a blue maneuver when they see that you're in his bullseye arc or something like that but i mean that's also kind of like restricting their dials so it's it's not that crazy of a um like an ability like you can kind of really kind of predict and then if they don't do that like you have such a good dial on this thing that you can really you could be wherever you want to be if they don't do the blue maneuver um but yeah i, I mean there isn't really too much i mean so what else do we have in first order we have uh basically reverse bigs with what is it phasma so after you suffer damage, um, I'm sorry, while you defend after the neutralized results step, another friendly ship at range 0 to 1 must suffer one hit or crit damage to cancel one matching result. Um, that's interesting 
because it's kind of like Phasma, is she good enough that you want to keep her alive that long? Or is this just something that could potentially, you know, splash it around? Like, is there something way that you can make Phasma that great and that much of a damage dealer that she's worth keeping alive? I don't know. Do you, do you guys have anything? Not really. She seems <laughs> like the most useless, I have to say. Yeah. I guess ordinance, like um, the mag pulse. Do you put mag pulse on her and yeah, but she's kind of like, uh, she's more like, what's his name? Um, Prince, Prince Shizor. Right. Something like that. Oh, we forgot about Prince Shizor. I mean, I, I think the big thing is, is that they're both I4 that it's kind of like they're in this weird, like Prince Shizor, I think is cool. And I, I've messed around. I have messed around with him. Especially as like a, a torp carrier, just to be like, you're not going to be able to kill this guy before, but it, you know, it's also at the same time, it's like you probably are having a hard time getting those torps off. Um, I, I guess what it really comes down to like multiple torps. Uh, I'm not but, sure. Yeah, I'm, I agree. I ha- have a hard time seeing. I don't like if you see Phasma in the list, she's not the biggest threat, so you're not tempted to shoot her. Yeah. So she would have to, I don't know, like be carrying something truly. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it would be hard to justify, be like, okay, I need to shoot Phasma and then let her use her ability. Like, I think you just kill everything around her and then deal with her afterwards. Um, I don't see, like, I mean, concussion missiles are cool, but I mean, you're probably just going to throw an SF gunner on her. I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, yeah. No, I was going to say, like, maybe an epic. Like, if there's some sort of scenario where you're, like, kill this ship sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Other than that, I mean, I don't see too much. Um, so, like, fanatical kind of could be one in that once you're once it's proccing, you're able to to be more defensive with your actions. That's true. I mean, it gives, you can save a focus for defense or... Or take a white evade, which most of the ships, or a lot of the ships have, and uh, that is, like we said, one of the the strongest defensive actions in the game. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that would make sense that like you could. I mean, but I, I think at the same time, like to get fanatical off, you would have to be taking damage of some sort. Oh yeah, right. It doesn't work the whole game for sure. Yeah. It's just once it once it kicks in, it it maybe helps you keep the ships alive a little bit longer. Right. Yeah, but I, like I said, I, I think I'd be in the boat of let's just kill everything around it. Um, I mean, the their their biggest trick is just they have Kylo, who is extremely difficult to kill in seventy five minutes. Yep. I mean, and, he's got the the best dial with the the or not the best, but one of the best dials with that blue five straight and those force charges. It's just he's a menace. And you know, we we talked about the uh, decimators earlier, where I think the. Upsilons are basically in the same boat that they're, you know, have 12 health. I mean, granted, they're behind one green agility, but they have that reinforced that they're probably using. And, you know, until you get behind them, they're they're dishing out damage. So they're, they're not that bad of a place. I mean, this is one of those, the, you know, their defense ability probably is that they have health. Like their FOs have that shield where the uh, regular Imperial... TIE Fighters don't. Um, you know, SF, the TIE SFs have six health totals. So, 
Um, that would probably be their biggest defensive draw. Um, yeah. Um, the uh, the Upsilon, just with a reinforce, uh, it's 10.2 shots that are right. three dice per focus. Again, so it sticks around for an extremely long time. Right. And it's got four green or four red dice, right? right. Which <laughs> is great. Not fun, man. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's not too much to dive into that, other than that's basically that's the shtick, and uh, you got to deal with it somehow. Um, so let's jump into Republic, Brett. Go ahead, tell me about it. So Republic is is like the best for this, which is one of the reasons why I I love it so much. Um, and I I kind of wanna to talk about my experience at Worlds and how I got super defensive focused and how I think that probably uh, backfired on me. So um, so the list I have here it's it's Anakin Skywalker. Um, with R2 Astromech and Delta 7B, um, Plo Koon just with Chopper Droid, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, Calibrated Laser Targeting, and R5 Astromech. Um, so I have two ships that are regenning, and then I have Plo Koon, who is able to uh, share his tokens with other ships. So the way I was often doing it is I would take an evade action with Plo Koon using Chopper's ability and give that evade to either Obi-Wan or Anakin, whoever seemed like they were in the biggest threat that turn. And I, I was able to make myself extremely defensive. And when, uh, you know, everything else was working out for me, I was able to do enough damage to, to get enough points to win. It, it, I wasn't winning by big margins in the slightest, but I mean, I, I was winning more games than I was losing for sure. Um, and when my ships did get hit, I could regen, um, with R5 on Obi or, or just the R2 on, on Anakin. Plo had no regen, but he's only 51 points. He was really there to give out those evade tokens, um, maybe a force token or a focus token if necessary, or more importantly, to jam people. That was really what I was doing was I was jamming away their tokens, which uh, helps your survivability so much. Um, but the problem was when things didn't go my way and Anakin gets half-pointed early on, then I have a lot of trouble coming back and getting enough points because I only have two ships that are really doing any damage. Uh, Anakin with 7B, right? He, he hits hard, and Obi-Wan with CLT, when I get someone in my bullseye, I can hit really hard. But Plo Koon was almost never doing any damage whatsoever because uh, he's only a two-die ship. Um, and so he, he just didn't have that, um, that hitting power I needed to make up the points when I would lose uh, half points on Anakin. Um, so that was a situation I thought where I really went super defensive focused and probably too much. So I would have probably been much better off putting another CLT on Plo and dropping the R5 Astromech off of Obi-Wan. Um, I had a big enough bid where I could have had them both on there, but I, I wanted the bid to, to try and make sure my uh, fives and sixes were moving last. Um, but so that, that's my, my own experience of, oops, I screwed up. I went way too defensive here. Um, and you know, I, I think you need to always make sure you're you're balancing out the two because uh, just focusing strictly on defense um, in a game where we know the red dice are better than the green dice uh, is probably a really dangerous um, dangerous option. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that at all? So, what would you do differently then if you were to look back at that game, or if you were like going back to worlds? What would you do differently? Yeah, I think it would just be that I would swap out the R5 for the CLT okay. and make it so. So if I got to a point where 
it was just going to be Plo and, and, and Obi and Anakin was either, you know, dead or running away, then I could actually push through the damage I needed. I think that would have would have made a, a big difference. I don't know if my result would have been any different, um, but it it feels like it would have given me more of a chance in the games that I lost. Makes sense. Um, Jedi are one of those things that, like, again, you just can never kill. Um, and, and it's not that fun. Uh, I'd never have fun against Jedi. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about some of the other aspects in Republic, though. So, I mean, Jedi, obviously, they, they go along the same lines as the double reposition and the the force users but i mean we also have like rick who we've talked about with um the defenders getting that of evade and then possibly the focus and then like rick on top of that like he also gets that like extra dice a lot of times have you messed around with him at all brett yeah i have and i'm not great with him but um i mean he is extremely survivable he uh is very close to a defender as far as defensive abilities go, because he's, if he's going faster than the other ship and faster than, or three or faster, he's getting a free of aid token and he's going to take a focus probably. And as we figured out before, it's like 2.5 or whatever uh, is your average role with, with those two tokens. So he's pretty tough to, and he's often actually rolling, an extra die for range three because he kind of likes to to swoop in and then you know cycle back out right i was just about to say that he's one of those ships that like you really kind of want to kill you really want to shoot and just get him off the table but he's also one of those trap ships that like when you shoot him and like him sitting at i5 you're going to he's probably going to have pretty decent knowledge of the board of whether he's going to engage or non-engage and I think that really works to his advantage where he's he could just like, you know, four straight or, you know, three turn away and then really kind of look at the board state to be like, OK, you know, I can focus, uh, evade, boost evade, do what I need to do, where I think at the same time, if you don't like shoot or, and just ignore him, he's swooping back in with, you know, coming in just as hot and he's hurting just as much. Right. And and. The Jedi um, have to pay the R2 astromech tax, right? Where they're often taking Delta 7B, so they're a two agility ship, but uh, R2 astromech's cost is based on your printed agility value. So they're paying as if they had three green dice. And Rick is the exact opposite. He's often rolling three green dice, but he's only paying the price of a two green dice ship for R2 astromech. So you used to see him a lot with R2 on there. Because um, then when he's you know cycling back out, if he took a shield, he's just getting that back at a turn when he wasn't going to shoot you anyway. Um, so he had a ton of survivability. Um, and uh, speaking of just more of the, the N1s, which actually have a lot of defensive abilities, uh, Padme could be an extremely great defensive ship or, or like option, I guess, for, for the list. Because her ability is that when, when an enemy ship is in her firing arc um, and it performs an attack, that ship can only modify one focus result. So when uh, the Naboo's were spoiled, I think we all thought that Padme was just going to be the best one, right? Hands down, no no question asked. She was going to be a complete game changer. And that definitely has not worked out that way. Um, you almost never see her played at all. Um, but maybe if we get to a, a state of the game where we're seeing more four and five dice attacks, um, God, let's hope that we're not seeing too many five dice attacks, but... Um, 
you know, higher attack um, dice being rolled, then then that ability becomes more valuable because it's more likely there's going to be uh, more than one focus result. Um, yeah, there that could have been changed and now can't be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that might have something to do with her points. I know she's a little bit pricey, and when we did kind of test around with her, it came to like her ability definitely procced, but it was one of those things that it was a little bit too hyper defensive. That like you might not have been taking damage as often, but you also weren't hitting as hard. So it kind of didn't really balance out the way that we wanted right. to. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and another option with the Naboo's is uh, the Naboo Handmaidens, um, another ship that you really just don't see getting played at all. Um, and I think that's because of how complicated or uh, how many like factors need to go into this condition card working. But um, the Naboo Handmaidens let you give a, a decoyed condition to a friendly ship. Um, and that decoyed condition is that when uh, you are defending, so let's say I put it on Anakin. When Anakin is defending... Each friendly Naboo handmaiden in the attack arc may spend their evade token to change one of Anakin's results to an evade result. So essentially, they just give him their evade tokens. Um, there's a second part that if you are a Naboo royal and one starfighter, so if you're you're Rick or or baby Anakin or uh, Padme, then you actually get to add an evade token, kind of like what we were talking. I'm sorry, add an evade result, like we were talking about with Nora earlier. I think this is, might be the only other situation where you get to add an evade result, which is incredibly strong. But in order for this to trigger, not only does the defender, Anakin, need to be in that attack arc, the Naboo's do as well. And the Naboo handmaidens and all Naboo starfighters fly so much differently than the other ships in the faction. They're always going so much faster that they leave the other ships behind a lot. So it's it's not incredibly common that they're going to all be in the same attack arc. Um, I know that was kind of kind of a lot of words there. I don't know if it translated well, um, but moral of the story is it could be really defensive and helpful. I just, I, I just feel like it's it's too complicated. No, I, I definitely agree, and it seems like it might happen like maybe once a game, and I don't know if that's worth the points for a two dice attack ship. Um, you, you yeah, really gotta you gotta play. Yeah, you you got to play the game a certain way for that to work out. Um, I, I definitely want to shout out Baby Anakin. He's basically just a flight inquisitor with that uh, force point, but uh, he's still got some defensive prowess to him. Yeah, Baby Anakin's great. I mean, I've been flying a lot of Baby Anakin, and he is pretty defensive on his own just because he's got that free evade and probably uh, a focus or a force there. Yep. Um, and he can just, you know get himself out of trouble so he's good as well and then there's dedicated which is an extremely defensive uh ability um this one again has a, a kind of a decent number of conditions but they're easy to meet um so you can only give it to a non-limited ship um and it's well another friendly ship in your side arcs at range zero to, to defense if it is limited or if it has the dedicated upgrade and you are not strained. You may gain a strain token, and if you do, the defender rerolls one of their blank results. Um, so you're giving someone a defensive reroll at the cost of a strain. Um, it doesn't see much play at all. It's come down in points significantly. I think it used to be three points, and now it's down to one point, and uh, all of the generics came down as well. So 
uh, this could be a situation where once people are focusing more on extended and the torrents are are back, uh, you know, in play, 28 points for a dedicated um, Blue Squadron protector might be a really good value to, you know, put two of those next to two expensive Jedi. I could see that doing a lot of work potentially. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen so much of dedicated, so uh, I mean, it's hard to see what it would be out there. But yeah, you make a good point. It definitely could possibly show up. I mean, um, the just the, the blanks. I can tell you, killed the, the the Jedi more than anything else when they their their green dice fail them, right. um, because they can modify everything but the blank, right? So here, where this gives them a, a chance to get that reroll, um, I'm I'm certainly going to put it on the the table yeah. once I'm focusing on extended. All right, so let's start to wrap this up. We have our last faction of the night. We have the Separatists. Is there anything else? I'm sorry. Do you, is there anything else that we want to touch base on in the uh, Republic? No, I, th- I think no. that's just take purple evades. You know, purple evades. They're, they're definitely worth it. Um, okay, so let, let's start to wrap this up. We have Separatists. Oh, man, Separatists. They're a lot cooler than I think. Um, this. There's a lot to cover on this. I mean, so they have body counts. They have multiple targets. They have uh, so much. I mean, hyenas have... I'm all right, So I'll preface this by saying when I first saw Separatists and the Vulture Droids, I thought for sure these things were just going to be so easy to kill behind, you know, three health, behind two dice. I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be duck season. I'm just going to be shooting things off. And boy, was I wrong. They just don't die. I mean, it's almost like you'd want to put a proton torp into, uh, you know, a measly 20 point, you know, vulture droid. But so we'll start off by network, network calculations. Uh, you're basically always going to have a calculate token at your disposal. So, I mean, if, if you're rolling two green dice, you know, you're probably getting at least one result. So that's going to hurt. Um, so you're, you're basically shooting into all these things. It's the hyena bombers have five health. They're one of those things that they're so cheap that, and they still have, you know, just one more health than they should. Um, so, so you got that going for them. Then you have all of these, uh, what are they called? The solitary tactical relays. I always forget that name. Um, so you have them going, you have TA-175, which basically just gives out more calculates to everything, K2B4, which, did that win a system open, or did it get to the final table? I think that X- was the Australian system open. Yeah, XY won that. Hey, he won it with that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. turns a calculate to an evade on these things, which, I mean, like, I saw that, and I, I think that's really cool, like, I, I think... So you can basically like spend your calculate to turn it into evade, and then you still get your network calculations. I mean, these things just aren't gonna die. And or uh, get or the defender could or the attacker can take a strain token. Sure, but that just makes your your volley back even more <laughs> potent, right? Right. Uh, um. So th- yeah, I think that's really cool. I think that's something that really needs to see a lot more play. Um. Because it's like by the time you finally kill one of these things, you maybe have scored 20 points, which is going to feel bad. Um, And that's the game that we're playing right now. Uh, So it's a really kind of interesting aspect of the game. I I would definitely say that like Separatists are probably the strongest faction at the moment. I mean, 
Honest to God. Um, but all right, staying back on topic. Uh, so we ha- we have that going for the droids and the hyenas. Then we have treacherous for something that you know might uh, need to stay alive a little bit longer. Um, let me pull up treacherous's card. So treacherous is while you defend, you may choose a ship obstructing the sh- attack and spend one charge. If you do cancel one hit or crit result, and the ship you chose gain one strain. So that's amazing if you have like a uh, tactical relay carrier that you need to stay alive or like, you know, they're just gunning for you absolutely like should be spending that. Um, It's super good on the same topic, though. I want to kind of like so you have that option um, and then you have the Belbelobs who, oh, man, if you've never tried to kill a loaded up Belbelob, it's hard. I mean, between Impervium plating uh, that basically negates uh like ship crits like you just chuck them um you basically have like two more health that way if you have crits coming in and then soulless one which adds two hits and then while you defend if the attackers outside your firing arc you roll re-roll one defense die so i mean it is extremely hard to kill these things and they're they're just staying alive for a lot longer than they are that they probably should be so i mean everything in this is, is real hyper defensive but i think at the same time you have the option where you're just going to be shooting these volleys back at people with the droids and you know i think like at the same time you know you have a 14 percent chance of blanking out um you also have such a good chance of just rolling you know hit crit or something like that where i i think this is the one time that it really kind of pays off um what do you guys think about separatists i hate them you hate them i mean that's what I would expect from a Jedi. Jonathan, you seem to follow the the, you know, the Separatist action a lot. What, what do you think? Uh, about Separatists? I think... Um, no, I think K2B4 is good. I think that the Bel... I mean, I ha- the uh, Belbalab can be very tanky with the Impervium and Soulless One. I think uh, it's with the... When you're managing the vulture droids, I think it's you have to. It's managing the um, a co- like the calculate tokens are kind of like a resource to be managed, like managing force on a Jedi. So like learning how to spend them, and then having enough to be able to fire your discords and to do everything you want. It's hard. I think K2B4 is good, but it's easy to run out of calculates, with, especially if you want to fire off discords also. So. It's tough. I, I think, I think I still think uh, that other uh, the pinata TA one seven five. Yes, I think it's the sheer number of calculates he gives. Um, I would still take that over K two B four, but I think. Uh, oh man, um, I, I just realized that's gain one calculate. I thought that was an calculated action. For which the oh, the TA one seventy five. Oh, you just gain, yeah. Yeah, yeah that you, is, you get like thirty calculates out there sometimes. That, that's, yeah, especially with like the new timing changes, you can have, and then like ships could be dead, gain calculate tokens, and still share those tokens before they get removed. Right. Yeah, that, that's definitely. Um, I, I was reading that card wrong the entire time. Um, but yeah, definitely, it it, it 
is very hard to kill these things, and it's probably a lot harder than you imagine. And the fact that there, like I said, there are only so many points. Um, I mean, you mentioned um, Luke Skywalker before. In a way, network calculations, it's like they always have access to one calculate if they have enough friends nearby. So it's sort of like Luke Skywalker's defensive ability, always being able to, like, regenerate that force. If, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's sort of similar. Um, so some other options that we have for Separatists. Uh, so General Grievous, uh, crew card, uh, basically he can spend one to uh, cancel a hit or crit as long as there's more than a two or more, um, which is pretty cool. Um, Dooku, does Dooku basically like let you change the die result? So it's bef- kind of yeah, you yeah you call out like a a result and if the the um, results did not contain the one that you named, then you must change one die to that result. So it kind of feels like old pal. Is that right? Yeah, it's not as good, but it's, right. it's kind of like old pal. Right. Um, so yeah, I think like everything that we've kind of mentioned here, like it's super good. Like it, it's the, these, a lot of things just aren't dying and, and like they're packing such a hard punch otherwise that I, I think I, I'm in on these. I know I'm probably being biased because I just bought a bunch of separatists, but everything I'm kind of looking at is it, like it just makes me more excited to play these things. Yeah, Gravitic deflection is another one um, for the the Nantex. It's the EPT that almost doesn't ever get used, but um, it's the one that um, while you defend, you may reroll one defense die for each tractor ship in the attack arc. So let's say, you know, now you, you can't take um, Ensnare in hyperspace. So if you put Gravitic on there and you've tractored yourself, yes, now you're only re- uh, rolling two green dice, but you're getting to re-roll one of them, which is statistically not much worse than just having three green dice. Right. Um, so, you know, that's an option out there to make the Nantexes potentially still playable. Or if it, you're an extended and you are taking um, Ensnare, you could you could pass that tractor token, um, let's say to, to one of your own ships to put them in a better position. And if they're in that attack arc and they're shooting at Sunfac, now Sunfac is rolling three green dice and can re-roll uh, one of his results. So then he becomes extremely tanky in that situation. I forgot the Nansex even existed. Yeah, I, I'm excited about Separatists. They've got a lot of cool toys to play with. Um, a- anything else about these guys before we start to close out, though? We've been babbling for a while. Um, all right, so let's go into event. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We have one final uh, topic on here. We have gas clouds. I am super in on gas clouds. I, you know, for the longest time would not be bringing gas clouds, and I'm in on them. I mean, it's especially when you're flying like certain aces that might be a little bit more not as maneuverable as something like Soon's here or something like you could absolutely play around gas clouds and get those evades and really kind of like punish people for, you know, basically like baiting them and punishing them. And when they do shoot uh, you, so. I'm happy about getting gas clouds. I know some people are probably still mad and, you know, that, you know, it's old auto thrusters or anything like that, but it definitely adds a different strategic play to the game. Um, I mean, granted, it hurts when, you know, Soontour is probably flying around gas clouds and the Jedi are doing their dumb things, but I mean, with the gas cloud fix, it 
probably is a little bit more harmful for Jedi just to fly through them than what it used to be. But I think at the same time, you can definitely play the obstacles in, in certain ways. Um, how about you guys? Do you have any comments about Gas Clouds? I have been super in on Gas Clouds, and I remain super in on Gas Clouds. That's fair. Because, honestly, it doesn't hurt them. Like, you go over it. If you make the strategic decision to go over that gas cloud because it's going to put you in a better defensive position, you know, five-eighths of the time you're going to get a strain token, which sucks. It means you're going to roll one fewer defense dice, but you're also adding one for the obstacle. So now instead of – now you're rolling the same number of dice that you would have rolled if you hadn't gone over the obstacle. The only difference is that one of them, if it's a blank, turns into an evade. So it's better than a regular uh, roll. And the other three-eighths of its time when you don't take that strain token – I mean, it's it's just complete gravy. Definitely. Okay, so let's close out now. Do you have any final comments, any of you guys, about defense? Um, One thing we just didn't right. mention is elusive, but yeah, elusive is fine. You can take it. Sure. Um. Yeah. It's. I mean, there's there's a whole. I mean, we we could talk about angle deflectors. Um. We could talk about elusive, but I mean, realistically, they're kind of edge cases. I I think. Um. Everyone I knows they're there. Um. So, um, so anyway, events coming up on March 22nd, Highlander Game Store Championship is happening. April 11th, we have the Top Deck Game Store Championship. May 3rd is the campaign against cancer. Uh, like I said, I know the Tom's River at East Coast Gamers is sold out, but I highly recommend getting on that wait list. It is so much fun if you can get a spot. Uh, May 30th is the Gamers Heaven Store Championship. If you are a fan of the show, drop us a line on Facebook and check us out on Patreon. Other than that, I've got nothing else, so I want to thank you for listening, and have a good night. Happy birthday, Andrew.